So uh, what kind of example did Christ leave for us to follow when it pertains to faith? Does he expect us to have it? How has faith played out in my life? How do I get faith? How do I activate faith? So we're going to unpack those questions today. Hopefully it'll help, right? Hopefully it'll help us understand because our goal today is what we're following the leader. What did Christ put as an example for us to follow when, it talk, when we're talking about faith? Faith defined. Let's go to Webster. Everybody goes to Webster to find out what something means. So we did it. A firm belief in something for which there is no proof. Complete trust. A firm belief in something for which there is no proof, complete trust. The Bible says it this way. I'm reading it in two different versions. In King James Version, in Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. In the English Standard Version, it says it just a little bit different. It says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. In other words, there's something that that I believe can happen. I don't have any evidence for it, but I have a conviction that it is going to happen. So that's what we're talking about. Faith is not logical. It's not intellectual. You generally can't reason faith away. It's a belief in something that may not be tangible. You may not have evidence for it. And so we're going to talk about kind of the comparison between uh, faith and just kind of having proof. And so there's a story uh, about a young guy that lived down in Yazoo, Mississippi. Anybody know where Yazoo, Mississippi is? All right, it's down there in the south where they say Mississippi, not Mississippi like we say it up here, right? So this, this dude lived in a, in, a, in a country town, country boy, raised. I don't think he owned a pair of shoes, not because he couldn't get some, just he was country, right? Who's going to put shoes on, right? So he had this little farm store where he worked. His parents owned it. He worked there. This city slicker, big fancy car, drives through town, pulls over and goes into this little little family shop, right? He's looking around at the stuff. He's like, this is country. I've never been this far down south. I'm from New York City. He's looking around and he sees this watermelon, biggest watermelon he's ever seen. Thing was probably 15 pounds. I mean, it's a Yazoo, Mississippi watermelon, big watermelon. He sees that little boy behind the counter. He's like, hey, boy. <laughs> He says, you talking to me? Yep. Can you eat that whole watermelon? I'll give you 20 bucks to eat that whole watermelon. 20 bucks. Boy, this dude has never seen a $20 bill. He's like, hold, hold, hold on one minute. He goes, he's gone for, guy's looking at his watch, where did he go? Five minutes, 10 minutes, directly he comes back. Says, sure, give me the 20 bucks. Boy, he cracks that watermelon open, and he goes to sucking watermelon down. 15-pound watermelon, gone. Nothing but rind left. The dude's like, man, I've never seen it like this in my life. He gives him the $20. He's like, that's amazing. He said, but I have one question. Where did you go when I asked if you could do this? He's like, well, mom's got a watermelon about this size. It's in the kitchen. I just ran home to eat that one to make sure I could do this before I took the bet. <laughs> that's not faith. That's practical, right? That's logic. That's if I can do it once, I can do it again. So that's not what we're talking about today. We're talking about the kind of faith that we sometimes call Blind faith. We t- and, and Webster defined it. It's trusting and believing in something that you don't necessarily have the evidence to prove. Faith is about is, is expecting and holding on to something that you don't have the statistical or physical proof to, to guarantee that it's going to work out exactly like you think it should work out. So there's some biblical examples of faith. As a matter of fact, in the, in the NIV version, the word faith is mentioned 458 times. We're going to read all 458 verses this morning. I'm just kidding. We're going to read a few. Matthew chapter 19, verse 26. Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. 
in Mark 9, 23, Jesus is talking to some people there. They're struggling with unbelief and they don't know what to do. And so they said, if you can, Jesus said, everything, if you can believe, everything is possible for one who believes. In Matthew 21, verse 18, Jesus is doing what he did, teaching, preaching, helping, healing. And so uh, early in the morning, Jesus was on his way back to the city. He was hungry, sees a fig tree by the road, went up to it, found no figs on it. He was hungry, wanted some figs, no figs. Then he said to it, may you never bear fruit again. Immediately, the Bible says, the tree withered. And the disciples that were with him were amazed. How did the fig tree wither so quickly, they asked. And Jesus replied, always giving teaching moments. Jesus replied, truly I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to this fig tree, but also you can say to the mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and it will be done. Verse 22 is the key. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. I'm telling you what, that's, that is a very strong statement, and it's really a hard statement to believe. It's hard to believe that everything I ask for in prayer, God will answer. But it's the promise. That promise is kind of like it's the bedrock of our relationship with Christ, knowing that if we take our needs to Him, we take our requests, our petitions, the things that we need answers to, we can take them to God and He will hear. In Luke chapter 1, verse 37, it says this, For with God nothing shall be impossible. Matthew 9, 28, When He had gone indoors, the blind men came to Him, and He asked them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes and said, according to your faith, let it be done to you. And their sight was restored. Jesus asked them, do you guys believe? Do you guys believe that I can heal you of your blindness? And they said, yes, Lord, we believe it. They had no proof. They had no evidence. But they believed. And because of their belief, their sight was restored. It's the promise of our salvation. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, for it is by grace that you have been saved Through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one man can boast. This is the cornerstone upon which everything in your walk with Christ is built. It's upon faith, it's upon believing that there is a God. It isn't you, (laughs) and He can forgive you of your sins and heal you and restore you and do a work in your life that'll change your life forever. Hebrews 11 6, without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. The reason why it's impossible to please God without faith is because that is the, that is the peace, that is the ingredient that's necessary. In order for you to make the connection with God that will change your life, you have to believe that he is. And when you believe that he is, then you take the next step and you say, okay, God, I'm putting my life in your hands because I believe that you are God. And things begin to change. Let me just ask you this. Are you, would you consider yourself, do you have something in your life that is causing you to desperately hope? Or perhaps you're just anxiously doubting, wishing something would change, but it's not, you're not really believing that it's ever going to, so you're just kind of doubting Perhaps you're implementing a wait-and-see strategy. Well, I don't really know, so just see what happens. We're talking about following the leader. And the leader did not give us that kind of faith to follow, did he? 
Jesus gave us an example of faith. And his example was living a life filled with expectation. My favorite scripture in the entire Bible is when Jesus was talking to his disciples. And he said to them, he's like, in this world you will have trouble. You'll have issues. You'll have problems. You'll have difficulties. You'll face all kinds of oppositions. But he didn't stop there. He said, but take heart because I have already overcome the world. That's faith. I don't have evidence in my life. I don't have physical proof. I don't have statistical data. But I do have a promise from God that says you're going to face challenges. But take heart. I've already dealt with those challenges. Just trust in me and the work that I can do. How has faith played out in my life? How do I know that I have faith? How is it, how is it demonstrated? You know, there's, there's usually a catalyst in some cases that causes our faith to, to rise. And in many cases, it's desperation. Sometimes we're faced with a situation that is just beyond our control. We just don't see a way out. And then we turn to God or we turn to uh, this, this thought that we had at some point. I remember someone telling me or... Maybe there is a God. In fact, I'm sure you've heard stories of people that have been faced life-threatening situations and they've prayed that prayer, God, if you exist, will you please, right? I didn't believe in you before, but all of a sudden now I think I might try that card just in case it works. <laughs> let's, if tried everything else, let's try the God card. Uh, sometimes desperation drives faith to the surface. There's a story in the Bible uh, about a woman who had, the Bible refers to it as, as an issue of blood. Basically, she had hemorrhaging in her body that would not stop. Twelve years she lived with this. And if I don't, I'm not going to get into the details, but if you understand the law, the Levitical law that in, the, in the time frame that she lived in, basically she could not mix socially because of this blood disease that she had. She had to live secluded. She had to live separated. So she had a physical problem that became a social problem, that became a career problem, that became her whole life problem. All because she was sick. The Bible says that she went to all kinds of doctors and all kinds of treatments and nothing worked. She spent all of her resources on medical expenses, but it just didn't help anything. And then she heard about Jesus and she thought, you know, what do I have to lose? Faith comes because of desperation sometimes. What do I have to lose? So everywhere Jesus went, there was masses of people listening to him, trying to get their needs met, finding out about him, all this stuff. And so she's a social outcast, so she had to kind of disguise herself. She had to sneak through the crowd, and she thought to herself, if I can just, if I can just grab a hold of the, uh, of the hem of his garment. I guess they wore kind of roby things back then. So if, if I can just touch his clothes, then I believe that'll be sufficient. That'll do the job. If I can just touch something that's on that person's body, I think that'll fix it. So she goes through the crowd. The Bible says there's throngs of people, people hustling and bustling and shoving, crowded, you know, like the stadium just let out, and you're trying to get to your car, that kind of crowd, just people everywhere. And all of a sudden, Jesus stops and looks at his disciples and said, who just touched me? I mean, dude, look around, there are people everywhere. What do you mean, who just touched you? He's like, I felt something happen. Something changed. Faith connected with me. And boom, here's this woman. Instantly, she was healed. And when Jesus looked at her, he said, because of your faith, you're healed. I mean, that's an extreme situation, extreme drive that caused this woman to go beyond all of the, the social barriers that she had to face, her own anxieties and fears she had to face. She pushed through that, and she was able to receive a miracle in her life because desperation 
caused her faith to elevate. Faith also comes from a place of innocence. In Luke chapter 18, verse number 16, Jesus called children to him and he said, Let little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to these kind of folks. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. What does he mean by that statement? I'm scanning the crowd to make sure there are no kids in here because I don't want to I don't want to wreck anybody's world. You know how kids just trust parents like when they're really young, they just have this blind faith. Like you, you know if you've ever played that game where you, your kid jumps and you catch him. You know they jump off of something high and, and you catch him. Nathaniel did this to me all the time. He would climb up on something, and if I was in the vicinity, <laughs> Dad, and man, flash right here. Not really. I never made it some of the time. <laughs> I was on duty one time, and he fell off of his changing table smack onto a tile floor. Yeah, I'm clearly not flash. They're just that blind faith, right, where they just, they just we've done it before. He's never dropped me before. He's not going to drop me this time, right? Just a complete blind faith. They, they just simply believe what you say. Like Santa Claus, you know, I didn't make sure there were no kids in the crowd, so I didn't wreck their world. You know, you tell them there's a guy that comes down a chimney, and he brings presents. I mean, who's not going to believe that? That's amazing. Like, keep the chimney. Like, I don't want to move into a house that doesn't have a chimney. Keep the fireplace clean. Don't burn a fire on Christmas Eve, right? We had a chimney fire one time in our house on Christmas Eve. The firemen came out. They put it out, and the fireman took a picture of the ladder truck up to the chimney. And he said, he talks to me. He's like, I'm sending this to my daughter to tell her that Santa Claus is going to be late this year. <laughs> right? We got, fairy, we got tooth fairies. But tooth fairies that bring, bring money for teeth. I mean, I don't know why as a kid I didn't just pull teeth out to try to get some money. Like, I, I tried that recently. It does not work. <laughs> we, kids just have this blind acceptance that you're the adult, you're the parent, you know everything. So whatever you say, I believe. So what Jesus is trying to articulate here is when you get the mindset of a child, that's when you start to understand the kingdom of heaven. Because we can't intellectually reason everything about God out. I mean, after all, he created us, not the other way around. So for us to assume we can figure out what God's doing is really, we're getting a little too big for our britches, as they used to say, down south. I don't know if they said in Maryland or not. Basically, you're in a position that you shouldn't be in. So... That's what he's trying to explain in this leading us into understanding faith. There's, there's, a, there's one of the disciples, and this poor guy kind of got a bad rap, right? Thomas. So all the disciples, you know, the chaos of the crucifixion, they're afraid they're going to be next on the list. You know, their whole world is shattered. Jesus is dead. They saw him get buried. What's going on? And then on the third day, he's raised from the dead. Some disciples go there to check it out. The tomb's empty. The word's starting to spread. And there's this one guy, Thomas, that... Earned the nickname Doubting Thomas. And the only thing he did wrong was say, I don't believe it. I saw him die. I saw him get buried. He's not alive. I mean, I know all of us in this room would have not been Doubting Thomas. Because as soon as they said he's alive, we'd have been, oh, I knew it all the time, right? <laughs> no, most of us would have been like, no, I won't believe it until I physically see him. Until I touch the nail prints in his hands. And I, I know, I, he, his faith was a little weak, right? He needed some physical evidence. But this guy got a bad rap. He's called Doubting Thomas for all of time. Because he couldn't believe that a dead man rose. Right? People struggle with faith. We read the Bible and we see these, these highlights. It's like the Facebook reel of the disciples. 
You just see all the amazing things that, ha- that happen, and sometimes my faith doesn't measure up to that book. I don't feel like I've got the kind of faith that they talk about in, in the Gospels in the book of Acts. But the reality of it is, I do have faith. The reality of it is, the leader that I'm following has left a path for me to follow that will help my faith to grow. So the question is, how can I increase my faith? How do I eat that 10-pound watermelon? How, do I, how, do, how can I be sure that God can heal cancer? How do I know that God does things like restore and heal a marriage? Is there anything that can assure me that God actually hears my prayers? Does he really care about my job, about my financial condition, about my addiction, about my anger problem, about my lack of self-confidence, my debilitating anxiety, my hurt, my struggle, my pain, my fears? Does he really care about those things enough to do something about it? It's what faith is. I don't have evidence for that. There's no proof. And if there's no evidence and there's no proof, then isn't it, isn't it me just being ignorant? Isn't it the same thing as, as Jack getting the beans and telling his mom, I sold the cow for some magic beans? <laughs> What's the difference? What's the difference between Cinderella and her fairy godmother? Magically, everything works out just perfectly. If there's no evidence and there's no proof, isn't that what I'm basically doing? Well, fortunately, we're following the leader. And fortunately, Jesus didn't leave us without any kind of understanding or any kind of evidence or any kind of proof because he made it a trail, a path that has landmarks that point us in the right direction. Maybe it hasn't happened in my life yet, but he left a path showing me that things like that have happened in other people's lives. That's why there's beauty in sitting around and hearing, like when they read the the testimonies of the people that got baptized last weekend, it was amazing to hear their journey of faith. It inspired me, it challenged me, it excited me, it encouraged my faith, it strengthened my faith because I was able to hear what was happening in someone else's life. In fact, Romans chapter 10 verse 17, it says, so faith comes from hearing what is told and what is heard comes by preaching the message concerning Christ. So if you're wondering how do I grow my faith? How do I how do I believe for something that's impossible? How do I really accept the fact that Jesus said if I pray and I don't doubt, I'll have the answer? How is it? This is how it happens. You're listening to me share with you things from scripture, things in my life, things in the in your neighbor's life that God has done for them and that is what causes your faith to grow. You read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles. All these provide accounts of miraculous events that occurred while Jesus was doing these things. In the Gospels, he was physically on earth. He was performing these miracles. Blind eyes opened, deaf ears unstopped, crippled limbs corrected, broken people fixed, hearts turned from hatred to love. Just change in people's life, forgiveness that people had never experienced before. He left a clear path for us to follow That if you are weak in your faith today, take heart because there is something that I'm going to say today that will spark a little flame inside and your faith will be strengthened. All of this so that we can have confidence that there's substance for something that we're hoping for, that unseen evidence. How do I activate my faith? Okay, okay, you convince me. I've got some faith. How do I do it? How How do I make it work? It's really pretty simple. Two things. I mean, everybody can do two things, right? 
It's not ten, just two. Two things. Prayer. Ask and you shall receive. If you believe, you shall receive whatever you ask for in prayer. These are things Jesus said. These are things that Jesus taught. What does this kind of prayer look like? Do I have to do it a certain way? Do I have to say certain phrases? Is there a magic, is there a magic uh, placement of words that attracts God's attention from all the millions of prayers that are going up all the time? It, it's really not that complicated. Prayer is simply the heart connection between you and your Creator. That moment when you don't have an answer and you say, you know what, God, I, I really don't know what's going on right now. I really, I, I don't have words. I don't have an explanation. I just, I just need some help because I don't know what to do. That's not a prayer that's going to get on a plaque and stick on a wall. It's not a prayer that's going to be read by millions of people, but it's the kind of prayer that God hears. You don't have to be flowery. It doesn't have to be perfect. You don't have to use these and thous and fancy words that sound like you're educated. It doesn't have to sound like you went through a, theo- a theological school of exhortation. You just need to be able to talk to the God that created you, that knows you, that understands you, that realizes. The Bible says that there's not a sparrow that falls from a tree that he does not know about. I was praying this morning for a prayer request on our card, and the prayer request was tough. It was heart, it was heartrending. And I was praying that prayer, and I was thinking, you know what, God, if you really know every sparrow that falls, how about all the people that are hurting today? So many people carrying pain that it's heavy, it's a load, it, their, their heart is broken. But there's a God who's concerned about that. And, and we don't need to dress it up and make it fancy. We just need to say, God, you know what? I don't know what to do. I need help. That's the kind of prayer that connects with God. And when you pray and you believe, he will respond. Every person in this room can tell a story of something that, that happened, like that that happened in their life. A prayer they've prayed that somehow God answered. The second thing is action. James chapter 2, I think my favorite book in the Bible. Very practical book. And James is talking about faith and he's talking about works. He's talking about actions. He says, don't talk to me about faith if you can't show me some action. If you want to talk about faith, I'll show you some action and we can talk about faith. So don't just believe things and float around and act like everything is good when you're not doing anything. Faith takes Elbow grease. It takes muscle. It takes energy. It takes action. And what this simply means, if you don't know Christ, if I don't know Christ, and I mentally acknowledge, oh, I think there is a God, that's faith, but that is not faith with action, is it? Verbally confessing with my mouth that he is Lord of all and confessing my sins to him, asking him to come into my life. Now, that is faith with action. That is faith in deed, right? That is me taking Uh, knowledge or an experience or information and say, you know what? I believe that. I believe there is a God, and I'm not going to just say it in my head. I'm going to actually take a step of faith. I'm going to do something. If I'm struggling with an addiction, just hoping that it will go away isn't faith, right? It's not. That's that's just hoping. Instead of asking for God's help, seeking support from other people, that's faith in action, right? That's what James is talking about. Don't just talk faith. Do faith. Live it out. Put action to it. If my marriage is broken by mistrust and hurt, wishing for happily ever after isn't going to do it, is it? It's going to take prayer. It's going to take forgiveness. It's going to take love. It's going to take reaching out for help. It's going to be allowing Christ to teach me about love, teach me about me. That's faith with action. Two things. It's simple, right? Two things. Two things. Prayer and action. Prayer and action. Prayer and action. 
Faith is not something that you arrive at at a point in your life and you say, well, I now have faith. You don't graduate from the faith school. Faith is part of our journey with Christ. Faith is part of our life with Christ. Faith is something that some people say they practice faith. I kind of I like the connotation of that statement. Because it means that I'm believing in something. I don't have all the answers, but I'm in pursuit of that something. The thing about faith is you may have it right now because something great just happened in your life. But everybody knows that life can throw you curves, right? And it's amazing to me the times that God's done amazing things in my life and just blown my mind. And then I'm faced with a struggle and a, and a problem and it's like I just forget about it altogether. It's like I'm hopeless again. We're very fickle when it comes to that. Faith is, it's not tangible. It's not the water bottle that I'm holding in my hand. I know if I have this, I've got faith. That's not what it is, is it? It's the evidence of things unseen. It's the, it's the belief. It's the, it's, the, it's the trust that something's there even though I can't, I can't physically touch it. I mean, every one of us in this room today are here and we profess some sort of faith in God, that there is a God. And has anybody shaken his hand and introduced yourself? No. When Jesus was on the earth, he was talking to Thomas. He said, after Thomas finally touched him and realized, you know what? They weren't pulling my leg. This was actually true. You actually are alive. After he had his experience, Jesus looked at him and says, you know, you're blessed because you got to see me standing in front of you. But those folks that don't ever get to see me, those are the ones that are even more blessed. Because they have taken a step of faith, kind of blind faith. But here's what I know about God. I don't profess to know a lot about God. But I do know this. I have yet to see anyone who has truly taken a step of faith and been left completely disappointed. He just knows how to connect at a level that will speak to you if you're honestly seeking him. He's a rewarder of those that diligently, with an open heart, seek after him and want to find him. I don't know where you are in your walk with Christ today. I don't know where you are in your life today. You might be in a marriage that's in terrible condition. You're not sure if you can last another week. You may be in a situation where you're struggling with an addiction that it's getting the better of you. You may be in a lifestyle that is, that is damaging to you. You may be in a situation where you've been hurt deeply by someone that you care about and trust. You may just not know if you believe there's a God. I'm glad you're here because I'm not afraid, ashamed, or concerned in any way that He will disappoint you or let you down. All you have to do today Say a prayer and put some action to your faith. And I promise you, God will not disappoint you.